0: Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people that know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you enjoy the following message. Don't you appreciate the music we just had, the time of worship? What a blessing. You know, Jesus really is the King of Kings. And it's nice to be in His house to spend this time. I want you to know the world is watching what we do all the time. Some people are watching to try to find fault with the church and with Christians to give themselves an excuse to not believe. Others are watching, looking for a way out of the darkness and we're to be that light. Last week, I shared with you a message with the focus on mostly our individual witness. We are to be Christians each day as we encounter the world. I shared with you our challenge was to be careful in our speech. Think about what we're saying and the impact it has before we say it and how we say it. The challenge was to keep our lives open to God's Holy Spirit so that He can speak to us and guide us and lead us into doing the right things. The emphasis was to reject the world's anger and violence because we have a God of peace who came and gave Himself for us. And fourthly, to embrace treating others the way Jesus would treat us and have us do that. That was last week's Focus, because the world is watching us, for an example. But today the focus is similar, but a little different. Today it's moving just from the individual to us as a church. You know that community out there is watching us. We have a reputation. We have a building that people will recognize. We have a sign out front that says First Baptist Church. So it's there. And people are watching to see what we do. And I think sometimes we as individuals get caught up in things of the world to the point that we forget that that they're watching us. People do know where you live. And they know that your car or your truck or your suburban is not in the driveway at home. But they're going somewhere. And the time you're coming here, they they may think, you know, they're going to church. I bet they're going to church, not to H-E-B. Don't you hope that's what they're thinking? Now, that's not to say you may not stop by H-E-B on your way home or Walmart or someplace else. But that's a testimony that church means something to us, that we would do this consistently. But whenever we get too busy, caught up in the things of the world, we sometimes neglect a little bit our fellowship with God and one another. Sometimes we can do that even by doing good things. We can neglect doing the best. I want to tell you a little story. I, I grew up in the Texas Panhandle. My hometown is a name, little town named Silverton. It's in the South Plains. It's between Amarillo and Lubbock, about 12 miles from the edge of the Cap Rock. It's part of those of you that know Texas geography called the Llano Estacado. state plains. Pretty flat. As a general rule, but when that canyon drops off into the hills below, it's a different thing. Well, being a typical 18-year-old teenager, uh, I like to go out in the evening on weekends. You know, go on a date, go see the movie. But there was a problem. My town was so small, there was no longer a movie theater downtown. That had closed down before I became a teenager. Our drive-in movie had closed down. So if I wanted to go to the movie, it was a drive of at least 20 miles to go somewhere. And the closest place, now you're going to love this, it was the Midway Drive-In Theater. It was located between Turkey and Quay. Anybody know where that is? Anybody know? Rick, you know. You're a very intelligent guy if you know that. Well, anyway, that's where the drive-in movie was. So it meant driving down the Cap Rock to get there. Now, I'll... I'll just tell you, I was one of those teenagers that had committed his life to Jesus Christ and I believed in trying to do the right things. And so I had—I didn't have a set curfew by my parents, but my rule was to get home between 11 and 12 o'clock at night. I just believed that was important, especially on Saturday nights when church would be the next morning. And so my parents knew I would be in, and they didn't worry about that. Well, one night after my date was over... Our youth minister caught me on the street. He recognized my car and pulled me over. He had another high school student that was becoming an alcoholic pretty quickly. And he wanted to witness to him. My youth minister's name was Dan. And he said, Dan, you know him. I want us to sit down together and sober him up and see if we can be a witness to him. And I agreed. And somehow, I don't know how he managed it, but Dan managed to have a key to one of the local cafes. And they were closed down for the night, but he went in and let us in, turned on the lights, and started fixing coffee for this young man. And we began to witness to him. And it took a long time to sober him up. You know it's very hard to witness to someone while they're drunk. They're not going to remember it. They've got to be sober first. So we worked with him, and finally about 2 o'clock, Dan said, you probably ought to go on home. It hadn't crossed my mind to call my parents and say I'm running late. Should have. And you know there's a phone right there in that cafe I could have used. Now you're saying, well, why didn't you use your cell phone? We didn't have them (laughs) at all. This was long before that. And I'll never forget that night because I broke my mother's heart. I really did. And that broke my heart. Because as I drove Into the driveway at home, there was my mother standing at the picture window in our living room, looking out. Yes, tears running down her face. She was so afraid because I was almost three hours later than I'd ever been coming home and she knew the route I had been on. She was scared to death. I'll never forget that image, because my actions, even though I was doing something really good, I neglected to do the best thing, which was to simply call and say, I'm going to be late. Do you understand what I'm, I'm getting at? We need to choose the best things that we do when we live. As we witness our coming to church, And coming to church consistently for those around to see, they recognize that must be important to him or to her. And that in itself becomes a tremendous witness. Jesus didn't just redeem you so that you could go to heaven. He redeemed you also so you could be one of His lights shining in the world. So that more people could see the King of Kings and recognize who He is. The point is you and I, as believers in Christ and participants in this congregation, we are His witnesses. We're more than just, as I said, having our sign out front. We are the church. And I want to encourage us during this Christmas season to let the light shine even better. Do everything that we can. You and I understand the popular terminology. It didn't used to be this way, but America is now considered post-Christian by many, many people because the influence of Christianity seems to be wavering and fading. I don't think we have to let that continue. I think all the congregations around this country who are worshiping Jesus Christ, if we would all take our job seriously, we could turn this country back to truly being a Christian nation. Because we have a witness. It's, I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about anything more than us loving one another. And it's showing so much. The rest of the world wants to see it. As I said, they're watching. So today God is also watching to see what we're going to be as a church. Now I want to give you this one word of advice that I think is important. Now I know it's right after Thanksgiving and here you are in church. I'm proud of you. I'm glad to see you here. This was a priority. But we need to keep that up. And as a part of this church, we have probably one of the best church staffs of any church I have ever seen. I am so proud of them. They've done a great job in this year that we've been without a pastor. We haven't missed a beat. We've had great preaching and we've had good leadership. But they can't do it by themselves. The real strength of the church, and I think Matt would probably stand up and yell amen if he if he thought he ought to. The real strength of the church is not the staff, but it's the congregation because there's so many of us. And we can go places and do things that the church staff can't. And so I'm saying to us, let's get involved. Every one of us should be ready to volunteer and not wait For someone to ask us to do something. That breaks my heart whenever I'm hearing someone says to me, Well, nobody's asked me to do anything. And my first thought is, Why haven't you already started just doing what you can? One way we can do something and it becomes visible is what you're doing right now. Be in church. Consistently. Did you know we have all kinds of volunteer opportunities in our church my wife and I, when, when we came here, we were welcomed and introduced to Sunday school classes. And the first thing we did was we started going to classes until we wound up in a class that seemed to fit us. And we decided we're going to be here every week. This is a great place to study. We also are ESL people. English is a second language. We had done that for many years. This church, did, how many of you know that this church has an ESL ministry? Okay, better question, how many of you did not know? Okay a few a few honest people that waved their hand on Monday nights, we teach English right here in this church with a Christian format. What a beautiful thing We knew that, and so the very first Monday night after we joined the church, we came to ESL and just sat in and participated until we became teachers as well. I hope you realize men, on Wednesday mornings. I know 6.30 is early and people that have to work makes it hard. We have a thing called ISI, iron sharpening iron. And the men of this church and others meet together for an hour of Bible study and of prayer and concern and fellowship. And then one of my great joys, because I'm an old retired guy, is after we're through with Bible study, I go with some of the guys to have breakfast. The fellowship is so strong that we didn't have ISI this last Wednesday because of Thanksgiving holiday and and giving the church and the staff the chance to not have to provide for us. Can you imagine how many guys showed up at 7.30 for a simple word from God and a fellowship meal together? 17. The restaurant was overwhelmed. When we showed up. I'm just saying there are many things we can do. And we can seek ways out to volunteer together. And I've just mentioned a very few. So here's here's what we're going to do for the next few moments. It won't take me very long to do this. But we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 to 25. We can begin embracing God's instructions for us as Christians and as a church. I'm going to read these verses to you Hebrews 10:19 to 25. I'm not going to ask you to stand this morning just remain where you are listen intently as you read along. Therefore brethren since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near, the day of Christ's return. Aren't those beautiful words? I'm an if-then type of thinker, a sense then Twice the word sense is used in verses 19 and 21, since we have these blessings, since He's done this for us, then it comes back and gives us four things. It says, let us. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. And let us consider how to encourage one another. Now, that's the church. I think that's what God is watching for. He wants to see us being His church, doing the right things. So, first of all, Let's draw near to Him right now in Christ's provision. One of the practical things of the Christian life is our behavior. It's important to God and it's important to our relationships to one another. We should behave well. You know, the Old Testament people, they had the sacrificial system. And that sacrificial system was based on the sacrifice of an animal And it's blood, an unblemished animal, and it represented perfect sacrifice. That came from when they were delivered from Egypt, from the very first Passover. Every year at the Day of Atonement, this was celebrated. And this was remembered. And on that one day, on that one day, the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies. And he could sprinkle this blood on the altar. And that represented atonement and forgiveness of their sins. But to do that, he had to go through a veil. He had to get behind the curtain, behind the screen to do it. He had to do that every year. Through Jesus Christ, gloriously, when He died on that cross, that veil that was in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And it was opened up so that every person who will, whosoever will may come, can come before God directly without having to have a high priest because that's Jesus and we don't just do it on the Day of Atonement. We can do it every day. We can do it every Sabbath. We can do it every Sunday. That's because what He did, He gave us direct access to the Father who loves us so much. The door to fellowship and forgiveness for all of us is wide open. It is no longer closed. And so that's what I reflect when I, on when I read these verses, what He has done for us. In Jesus, we, we get to see the Father. And we know that He's our eternal advocate. Everything in His earthly life showed us what the Father is like. That He's sacrificial. That He's caring. That He's loving. That He's healing. That He's life-giving. That He is resurrection. We should draw near because Jesus has shown us what He's like. Another thing is in verse 22, if you keep your Bibles open and like to look at the verses. It says, let us draw near with a sincere heart. In full assurance of faith, a sincere heart, we're not to come to church or do church work half-heartedly. This should be an enthusiastic part of our life. Now, I'm a, I'm a football fan. I'll admit that. I, I love watching football. I love going to football games. I, I love following uh, UMHB in football. And it's easy to follow UMHB. What a winning football team. I'm personally excited that they're going on another week. I'm hoping, I haven't looked at the information, that they get to host it again. It's fun. But you know, I also watch some football on television, too. I'm very interested in the outcome of the games. I was interested in the Oklahoma-Oklahoma uh, State game last night. Anybody else find that interesting? Yeah. You know if you're a Baylor fan, that was a real important game, wasn't it? It came out just right if you're a Baylor fan. It didn't come out just right if you're an Oklahoma fan. But it was interesting and I, I really enjoy that. But I'm going to tell you something not, you may not appreciate. I went to bed at halftime. He said, how could you possibly do that? How, on that exciting game, you missed that whole second half. But I'm here and I'm awake. I had responsibilities in church this morning to preach at 8.30. And I have to get up early and look at my sermon. I'm old enough, I have to do that or it's not all going to stick. And so I was up early this morning getting ready to come to church. You see my illustration? Sometimes we can be doing a really good thing. A fun thing that there's nothing wrong with. And we have to make a choice which is the better thing to do. And I think consistent attendance in church is a truly important thing. I'll tell you what, Logan Reynolds is going to love it if he looks out at this congregation at 8.30 and 11 o'clock and he sees your faces and a whole bunch more. Now today it's lower attendance because of a holiday. But I think our job We can give him a great gift of starting out as our pastor in in January if we pack this building out in both services. Wouldn't that be a good thing? That's going to show God that we're ready to go forward and move on. The good news is through Jesus Christ we have been changed. We're not the same. He is the living water. He is the bread of life. And He is ours every day and we need to live it in such a way That the world can see it. And the world will say, that church is doing something. That church is important to our community. Those people care and they love. So let's boldly, all of us say, let's do this regularly. But there's another thing in verse 23 that I see here, and that's to draw near with an unwavering hope. He says, let us hold fast our confession of hope. I remember when I was first a Christian. I remember being 10 years old and giving my heart to Jesus Christ. He's been my Savior ever since. I won't tell you how many years that's been, but it's a lot. And there have been ups and downs in life and challenges. But He has been my constant hope. And He's your constant hope if you know Him as your Lord and Savior. His Holy Spirit is in your heart and He's in your life to guide you and to direct you. What a wonderful blessing. And why I can share this is God always keeps His promises. God will save us forever. Yes, we're going through the process we call sanctification. We have our ups and downs in life, but we're we're the vessels, clay vessels in His hands, as I've said so many times. He's at work in us. And some of His best work in us is when we gather together just like this. And then when the service is over, the time of worship. I've heard someone say don't call it service, call it worship because the service begins when you leave. When this time is over and we leave here, we're to be a little different today. And we're to take that with us wherever we go. And I like this when He says He is faithful. We're in His hands eternally. And forever. Because He is true. Verse 24 gives us another aspect. We're to draw near through loving ministry. And it says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Here's my advice here. Let's look for the best in one another. Let's see the good things we do in this, in this church. Rather than focusing on the mistakes. On the failures. Let's be people that encourage one another to move forward. Let's be united in our love and our compassion and our treatment to one another. That's what God's looking for and the world would love to see that as well. God loves to see loving parents. Uh, now, none of my neither of my children attend church here. Two children. They didn't like being They didn't like being sermon objects, so I tried to not preach about it too much, but they love one another. They're a good brother and sister. But when they were growing up, my son loved to torment his older sister. Were any of you like that? Anybody that you like to torment a brother or sister? He did. He was the younger and he just loved to do that. Sometimes my wife said, we should have flushed you when you were a baby. But you know what? Today he's a solid rock of faith in Christ. My son is one of my best friends. My son watches out for us. Our daughter watches out for us. We're a family and we love one another and we love being together. Well, guess what? We're God's family. And maybe it's time for us to not torment one another anymore. And I'm not just talking about our congregation. I'm talking about every one of us. And support one another. And pray for one another. And love one another. And then a a point that I've already made is verse 25. We're to draw near through faithful attendance. He simply says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but to come together. To come together faithfully and regularly because that is a witness to other people. That's consistency and it's important for us to do. So what happens when we're faithful in attendance? It means we position ourselves on Saturday better to come to church on Sunday. It means when we're doing this and we're worshiping God regularly, we will have more joy during the rest of the week. We will be spiritually stronger during the rest of the week. We will be more aware of our witnessing opportunities that come during the week. We will be people with so much more fellowship in our lives. And I I want to illustrate to us this morning before I, I draw this all to a close. We're stronger together than we are apart. So much more. Now Matt has volunteered when I asked him to do this. I'll let you think about what I mean by that, but he's agreeable to help me with something this morning. I have two pins here that I've tied together with a piece of string. I don't know if you can see the string or not, but it's, it's here. Now, take a look at Matt. Does, do you think he could break this if I give it to him? Anybody want to for, No. Alright, Matt. Take those and see if you're strong enough to to break that single thread. Oh! He is truly a man of power and strength, isn't he? All right. Now, that, that was pretty easy to break that one, but I fixed another. And it's a whole bunch of strands, a thread together. Now, you're strong. Let's see what you can do. Can't do it. OK. You can't do it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe together we could. I don't know. You get my point, thanks, Matt. Isn't he great for helping out like that? i tell you. I, I did not call him in advance because I just wanted to spring it on him this morning. Simple point. You try to do this by yourself and you're no stronger than that thread. But when we join together and we're serving God, we become very strong. Now, individually, a congregation, could it be broken? Sure, we could get enough guys and enough leverage and we could break those strings. But the point is, together we become invincible in this world in God's kingdom. So I want to close it out and finish it up with a reference to Revelation 2 and 3. What's God really looking for? He's looking for everything I've been sharing with you over these last few moments. But here is also what God is looking for. John the Apostle wrote to seven churches in Asia. And they're listed in this passage. He told what they were doing right. He told what they were doing wrong and what they needed to do. Some of them need to repent. But listen to what God was looking for in his churches. From Ephesus, He what he, did he see? He saw that they were diligent in working together and they had a great reputation in the community. He saw that they pers- per- persevered despite a negative culture. They were strong in their faith. He saw that they were doctrinally sound. They didn't allow false doctrine to come in. Does that sound like out of Hebrews, verse 23, when it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, not wavering. That's what they were doing in Ephesus. Like Smyrna in chapter 2, they were faithfully enduring also cultural opposition. That's two churches, and they were standing strong. And they were strong when they were financially strapped, trying to meet their budget in failing. They were still strong. He wants us to be like Pergamum, to stand fast in our faith and demonstrate it by the way we live. They were doing ministry, and they were staying at it. Does that sound like learn ways to stimulate one another to do things? They were strong in ministry, like Thyatira. They were known as a congregation of love for one another. That's a good example. They were keeping the faith and growing in ministry, and they were busy serving one another. That's what God is looking for. Like Sardis, they had a good name. And in that passage, God says, I know you have a good name. Keep it safe. Keep it that way. And like Philadelphia, the name of love, He encouraged them to stay faithful to God and one another in their love, such as don't forsake yourselves from assembling together. So those churches... There were beautiful things that they were doing right, and God spoke of those through John. Now, you and I that are Bible students, we know they also had some problems in most of them. That's not my focus this morning. My focus this morning is on us to do the good things that those good churches were doing. And if you want to, I do encourage you this afternoon or this week, read those two chapters in Revelation. Let them speak to you about what we need to be as a church, so here 's my conclusion: I think our church is at an important crossroads. Certainly we are. 've had two pastors in a row that stayed for over fifty years combined. We have that kind of potential with a young pastor named Logan Reynolds. let 's not wait on Logan to mold us and shape us for the future. Let's do it ourselves. Let's do it ourselves by reading this passage we read in Hebrews and saying, that's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be a good member of the church. I want to be a faithful member of the church. I want to be a supporting member of the church. I want to give our new shepherd the best situation he can have by being a good lamb, by being a good sheep, by being, do that rather than being a bunch of old goats, okay? Some of you will understand that that illustration. Let's embrace our future and keep us keep our focus on Jesus. Logan cannot make us a strong church. He can lead us to the water, but he can't make us drink. It's our job to take the living water and let Jesus do what he wants to in us. I believe the best is yet to come in our church. I believe it's a great church. I believe it's been a great church. I believe it can be a greater church in the days ahead if we will do it God's way. Together, we can position ourselves to let the light shine. Here at Christmas, that's what we're talking about is the, the star and the light, Advent candles recognizing what's coming in, on Christmas Day that we, rep, that we worship about. But together, we can be a blazing light of truth, not a dim light. A new chapter is about to be written. Is our our lampstand going to burn bright? Or is it going to burn even brighter? That's my challenge to us. Let's let our light shine together. Now will you bow with me as we pray? Thank you, our Father, for this time of worship. Thank you that Jesus Christ brought the true light of life and salvation and love and ministry into this world. He brought fellowship and He brought unity. He brought forgiveness. He brought eternity. Help our <clears throat> Our Father, help our church to be strong, to be faithful, to be true, to be witnesses to our community. This is my prayer, our Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's stand together and sing our invitation. Matt will be at the front to receive you if you have a decision to make. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.